the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, this week we're doing things a little bit different from usual. All the exciting tech news that you're looking forward to, pushing it to the side today. It is a chance to talk about cryptocurrencies, blockchain, and the many surrounding uh, topics. So have uh, three great guests here. We have uh, Bruce Conlon joining us. Bruce, do you have a, a company name that we can uh, we can share with our audience? What's your entity? Well, we, yeah, we, we were just talking about this. I'm, I'm essentially <laughs> retired, but um, I do um, – Block Foundry uh, is, is my business because – and we're going to get into this, I'm sure, because I believe in the blockchain and what it does. So, blockfoundry.co.nz. Uh, Excellent. And uh, Sam Blackmore, who is with uh, My Bitcoin Saver. So, we'll hear a little bit more about that shortly. And Darcy Ungro, who is a financial advisor. Ungro. Ungro. Oh, okay. Italian. Oh, well, there we go. That's the more uh, correct. Uh, are, are you Italian? Yeah, oh, okay. 23%. Right. Like yeah. um, and what's unusual is he's a financial advisor, but we must uh, give a disclaimer today that uh, we're, we're just really sharing some uh, general, Opin- in, general in opinions and, and, uh, and thoughts. So this is not, uh, not to be taken as uh, formal or, yeah, it's financial advice. So, you know, go to your own, uh, your own financial advisor for that. Right, well, well, let's jump in. Um, Darcy, maybe you can just share with us why you've got an interest in, uh, in blockchain and how that, uh, that, that came about. Yeah. Because I don't come across uh, too many people in the financial uh, world who have, who have dived too deeply into this. Not with a shirt like this. No. No. And that's, <laughs> and that's where I'm different, Paul. But the, the, the main thing uh, that, that – so I'm a registered financial advisor. I work with mortgages and insurance. I'm not an investment advisor. I'm not here to endorse doing something that's risky that you don't understand. But I, I, I am seeing something – I'm seeing a trend that is worrying in that people are being locked out of the property market. And there, there needs to be some alternatives that – people engage with or else they're going to be left behind and the distance between the haves and the haves not have nots is getting bigger and some somewhere or some at some stage there's going to be a a reckoning i guess you could say and and that's that's a scary thing to to look forward to when you have kids are they going to be able to own their own home I, i don't know and if if they do it's probably going to be with my help so what can I do as a parent? What can I do as an advisor to help other parents get ready to help, help them? Um, so that's kind of where I fit in. So I, I, I am a traditional mortgage advisor, but at the same time, I've got a keen interest in this because socially we probably all have a responsibility to make sure we're making things better for our kids. Uh, but also I, I just don't see any other ideas of how to actually, you know, it's not about wealth redistribution, but it's about giving people a fair chance to, to get in there, right? Um, so yeah, good, good, and 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 of course, technology moves forward, right? And uh, and we, we we can't hold it back. So uh, yeah. you know, although there might be some who sort of throw their their hands up with uh, where the cryptocurrency world's going and and uh, so on the the reality is these things will will probably uh, move forward at uh, at a at a pace that you know 
no one uh, organisation can certainly control. Now, uh, the horse is bolted, Paul. It's gone. It's already out there. <laughs> That's it. Um, Sam, tell tell us what uh, what has brought you into this world of uh, cryptocurrencies with um, with my Bitcoin saver and and you know what what got you started in this world. Um, well, I'm a bit of an old old hack at this. I, I, I was um, I've been you know fascinated by Bitcoin since about 2012, and purely initially from a, um, a technical perspective as a, as a software engineer it was the first decentralized distributed application that's ever was released to the wild so actually i actually came across it this makes me sound quite old-fashioned these days on the front of a, a linux magazine which um and the title was is this the most dangerous open source project ever and that was in about yeah 2011 2012 i think so um so that's what that's what really caught my eye um and uh, and then yeah, I was I was kind of mucking around with it and like monopoly money, buying it, and opening wallets, and you know, got an account on Mount Gox and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> so um, yeah, ro- I've ridden the roller coaster up and down. I mean, I'm not really a money guy. I was I was I'm sort of interested in it from um, from the way it works and potentially its sort of social impact. Um, but my my Bitcoin saver, um, which is which is my company, was really uh, scratching my own itch. So um, I'm kind of a normal person. I've got mortgage and kids and no money. And uh, I can only afford really um, to buy small amounts of Bitcoin. So what um, my Bitcoin saver does was, was really something that, you know, I needed to do myself and was really, I set up some scripts, wrote some code and kind of um, started it from there. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. I started the Bitcoin meetup in Auckland in 2013 because it really was kind of quite a... Um, well, it, an underground scene, um, even after 2013, for quite some time. And uh, you were definitely the weirdo or the nutter if you talked about it. You know, um, you know, it d- didn't go down well to our parties. Um, so yeah, that's why I started the meetup so I could find the other freaks and and you know we could <laughs> we could talk about this stuff. So it, obviously, it's changed massively in the last. 18 months even you know 18 months it's 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 mainstream and it's following this sort of technological adoption curve which is mind-blowing um it's very difficult to witness an exponential growth pattern when you're in it but if you do start to look at the charts and and pull back and start to look at the logarithmic charts you'll see that that's exactly what's happening right now um and the result of that is that um you know, I'm, I'm I'm fortunate enough to work in this exciting industry, but even I'm I'm very difficult to keep track with what's happening from day to day. Hmm. So, I'll just drop a question a question in here uh, now. You run a you know a business that works with uh, you know Bitcoin, enabling yes. people to to buy Bitcoin, and yeah, you take a slice of I guess of those those transactions. Yeah. Does your business keep as much of that as possible within Bitcoin, or or do you keep it in uh, in normal currency to uh, to be able to run your business? How do, so, you, how do you how do you balance that uh, that thinking? That's a good question, Paul. Um, and and this is this is you know this is um, interesting because you know we have to keep track of of what's happening within our, in our business, like any other business with profit and loss. So we are, we have a, an operational Bitcoin wallet um, because we pay suppliers and. We pay some of our employees percentage of their salary in Bitcoin if they wish. Um, 
So, and we have to integrate that into zero. So we integrate our, our Bitcoin balances into zero so we can see our expenditure and, and that sort of thing. Um, but these are all new problems that businesses have to deal with um, to operate normally, right? So yeah, we do keep um, a percentage of our our um, operational um, capital in, in Bitcoin. And, um, but we have to obviously monitor that in order to make sure that we've got enough cash when we need it and, and one thing or another. But generally, yeah, we operate, you know, 50-50 kind of. Mm. Now, Bruce Conlon, this is, is it your second time on the New Zealand Tech Podcast? At yeah. least. You've, you've d- we've done a number of podcasts together. <laughs> uh, great to have you back. Tell us how you've landed in this this space because, um, well, as you said at the beginning, you've, you've sort of retired in a way. You don't, you maybe you don't have the uh, the same uh, uh, pressures to work as um, as some folks. Yeah, and I think that probably is what's probably the driver is that blockchain was the thing that brought me kind of back out of retirement because you know I was I've been. I've been sort of in senior management for a long time, you know, in Virgin and BBC and Lloyds Bank, you know, where this, I was coming across the same problem again and again where you've got point people and transactions and, you know, you're trying to you're trying to do the same thing. And the whole time sort of blockchain was a solution. I was, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to have it, especially when it comes down to people's identity and what they're doing. So for me, it was probably not too dissimilar to Sam as from a technology standpoint that I just, I look at it and think this is an inevitable solution, whether it's blockchain or some variant thereof, the whole ability to, to have, um, you know, a a peer to peer network and have that without the middlemen in between and make things more efficient. And, and the, the key thing for me is digitizing trust. That's the most amazing thing that I think blockchain has brought to the world. You know, when you start talking about Bitcoin, that's that's an embodiment of that in, in terms of a currency being able to digitize that trust. You know, I keep saying to people, the most amazing thing about cryptocurrency is you've now enabled two thieves to trust each other. <laughs> and, and you know, that's an incredible feat. You know, and I, I think you know when when you can digitize trust to that point where you don't need a third party in the middle, you've really got something quite special. You know, there's a whole lot of you know mechanisms around that that, that actually make that happen. But that's what brought me back into this is, is, is uh, to me cryptocurrency and you know blockchain solutions to things that we we don't know yet it's it's it feels completely inevitable so i wanted to get thieves back trusting it. thieves is what it's all about for you as well i took out of that <laughs> did, did I miss something there's there? only one phrase there that i heard but but you know i think you know i'm, I'm trying to draw an extreme Sorry. spectrum <laughs> paul it's, it's an extreme spectrum, I think, where you kind of think, well, you know, that's that's really the most incredible thing to be able to really digitize trust, you know, because you know, there's no other mechanisms that exist in that way today. So that's good. Now, I, I think what we'll find with the audience is that there's going to be a mixed view of what blockchain is, what cryptocurrencies is, how they fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we certainly hear the terms bandied about a lot, but the large majority of people, you know, in any country, have not got you know, any money tied up in any sort of cryptocurrency at this stage. Mm. Uh, um, they don't, uh, you know, have a regular interaction with it, with 
blockchain and you know in any normal way so it's kind of a little bit hard to get your head around when you when you don't have this uh this real life experience with it now mm. yeah part of how i dealt with that was to you know start getting involved uh, you know a, a little bit and dabbling and um yeah i happened to choose uh, my bitcoin saver as a as a mechanism to uh to to enable that and I think we've probably talked about that on the the, the podcast before, um, but I'd be keen to hear from each of you your 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 way of describing um, first of all blockchain and then um, yeah the cryptocurrency sort of aspect of it. And we'll st- start with you on that, Bruce. I think. All right. <laughs> um, well, probably it's easy to describe for me what blockchain isn't. I think when people are looking for a, a blockchain solution, they're generally looking for a database. So quite often you've got, um, let's take something like eBay or Trade Me, where you, you, you've got a buyer and a seller and a transaction that happens between them. Um, for those sorts of systems, you've got the, the middlemen, which are you know the, the keepers of the platform. They are the trusted party. They're the facilitators. They build the platform. They maintain it. And you know they do great jobs of that, and they, they take a fee for their services. And it's whilst it sort of feels peer to peer because you know you're so connected with a real person in terms of that mechanism, there's there's still someone else in the middle, and it also you know interestingly someone who you can kind of call. There's a, there's customer service because of what they're providing you as a service is something. Blockchain and you know sort of erring into cryptocurrency and you maybe using Bitcoin as an example. Blockchain isn't that. Blockchain is truly peer to peer, no middlemen person-to-person transaction and those are validated through means like they're they're not trying to get too technical but miners in the system which provide that trust so they're the people when you know darcy sends x amount of bitcoin to paul um all the nodes all around the world that are the miners who get incentivized to to do this and that's how they earn their bitcoin um, crunch all the numbers in order to, you know, it's the first one who wins and they get a reward for that. And then that all those transactions get locked in a block and that block is, is added on to the blockchain. And that's that's the sequence. Like, you know, that block references the rest underneath it. So so the block the blockchain I often heard referred to as a, you know, a ledger, basically. It's, it's a ledger. You know, all those transactions are, you know, person A, Darcy, to person B, Paul, Something happened, you know. For Bitcoin, it's 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 financial. It's a it's a it's a, a value that's stored for something like Ethereum. It's different. That can you know the smart contract, which we can probably talk to about it more. But it defines a much wider thing about what can be transferred. It could be property. It could be some other value exchange. So essentially, blockchain's the mechanism that sits underneath any of these tokens or cryptocurrencies. The cryptocurrency itself is the reward and the thing that generally drives the system because without the miners who are the people who are really the validators and who, who create that trust without them being incentivized why would they you know like they're, they're spending huge amounts of money on power and computing resources in order to earn this bitcoin which then becomes valuable for them so so that's kind of the the differentiation blockchain is like the mechanism and allows a distributed network it allows the the consensus to happen and then the cryptocurrency is the value exchange that sits on top of that that's the thing you, that that is valuable to either transfer or to earn I well said and the and the and the safety aspect is is that it's distributed so that that ledger is basically is replicated 
you know, exactly yes, many, many many times you know around, around the world, no one party can control it or, or mess with it, right? which, is, which is great. So tying that back to the say the eBay example, um, really eBay is that eBay is that trusted party. Now the interesting thing with with you know the blockchain is really these are untrusted parties. You have no idea who these people are. You know, start alarm bells and like. Really, how you know? But you don't need to, because the point is they're tr- they're cracking a cryptographic problem, and then there's consensus around yes, they actually did solve that problem, and and as a result of that, they get the reward, and it's all randomised in, in terms of well, there's speed and computing power, there's lots of other things that come into play, but in general, you know that whole that whole mechanism is untrusted, but creates a trust because it's by consensus. So, and that's different than say an eBay, which is a centralised thing, saying you know. Yes, we confirmed that this happened. That got sold from that to that, and you know, and, and there's no customer service to call. By the way, <laughs> with any cryptocurrency, you can't call. Everywhere. No one owns Bitcoin. The horse is bolted. You know, it's 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 out there in the wild, and and it's it is truly a, a distributed functioning network that no one is controlling. There's software, and we can get into that. There is code that changes some of the, the mechanics of it, but you know, there's no customer service. How how uh, amongst yeah, the, the, this group here. How much concern is there of there being you know, issues with uh, with the design of you know, the um, cryptocurrency sort of you know, blockchain protocols at, at, at the moment? The, those mechanisms are there. Are there concerns about there could be issues or that? Um, yeah, there could, it's there code, could, right? there could be there could be problems in the future, right? There, well, there's always a, a possibility of something going. Um, we believe in open at some source. point. I would, I would point out at this stage that um, Bitcoin has been under attack um, since its inception. So for ten years, Bitcoin has been constantly attacked by hackers. Governments, <laughs> you know, in some way, and it is, and it has it's had a hundred percent uptime. Bitcoin's had a hundred percent uptime, so um, that's so pretty. Well you know, designed. there's, it, yeah, it's, it's easy to sort of put that disclosure in there that you know it's an experimental currency, and and that um, you know there is a chance one thing or another that could happen. But the reality is, I, I, I can't imagine how Bitcoin would introduce a bug which would jeopardize your funds. Um, is there built-in safety nets? Is there some sort of like? Is it, is it kind of almost looking at itself, or is there anything well, built into it that can protect it? It's built on top of cryptography, so you know there's the software which facilitates the transactions, but the actual um, the actual Bitcoin is is really that you own is 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 controlled by you know mathematics, which is sort of an immutable nature of the universe, really. So um, you know, that private key that you own is the key which enables you to prove that you have that Bitcoin on the blockchain. Now, um, yeah, I think you'd need there's some sort of ridiculous statistic. But you'd need a computer which would process the same energy as the sun <laughs> in a million, billion years to actually crack that piece of, um, you know, cryptographic mathematics. Um, I'd argue that it's easier to produce gold in a thermonuclear reactor with mercury and transmute it, which is possible. You can create your own gold. You've, you've tried that. that. <laughs> yeah, I've got one outside. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So your Bitcoin's pretty safe. That's the bottom line. And that's what really um, 
makes Bitcoin so attractive and valuable to certain people because of that attribute. Mm. Um, so the so the the risks around Bitcoin, um, we could probably run through. Um, because you know there, there are yeah risks with anything, just like there's risks with having you know cash under your bed and so on, right? Mm. So uh, people, well, Mount Mount Gox, uh, yeah, exchange people had. Well, did don't you, you lose anything there, Sam? No, I didn't, and uh, that's why number one rule is don't leave cryptocurrency on exchanges. And this is you know something that we adhere to. So we're quite old fashioned by Bitcoin saver in that mm. respect. Is you know we try and educate people that they, with liberty comes great responsibility, and I, and um, a lot of people have probably heard me say that. Um, so you know, Bitcoin is is a is a technology of, of liberation, but with that, you know that um, we live in a very insulated society these days. You know, we have insurance for everything, um, and you know we have smartphones and you know great ambulance service and all that, all that sort of stuff, um, and. Um, Bitcoin is is something which you know you, there's no customer service. You, if you lose your if you lose your um, you know FBOS card, you can go and get another one. If you lose your passphrase, your bitcoins, <laughs> poof, they're gone. So um, yeah, it, it's it's really there's a big education piece there, and and for most people, um, their first experience with Bitcoin and the reality of Bitcoin is losing a bit. You know, um, <laughs> and so I'm. I'm kind of. I'm sick of giving Bitcoin to people who then lose it. Yeah. <laughs> so we 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 we're constantly. So where do we line up to be given Bitcoin by you, Sam? <laughs> well, let's, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, let's give you an example. Like Sam does have do a great example. He was yeah. talking at one of the meetups. Um, just a really simple thing. If you know, again, we're just. This is not financial advice. But if you're wanting to get into this game, you know, there are simple things like you know, and and. To just test the waters, yes. try it out. Don't throw billions of, of something into this, but get a wallet. You know, if you know yep. somebody who has cryptocurrency, get them to do a transaction. Do send send 20, 20 cents, yep. well, 20 bucks. But the, the key thing is in whatever wallet you download, and there's ones out there, uh, that, you know. Use an open source wallet. Use an open source wallet. Be careful on the Android app store, which ones you're downloading. You know, I think just, just, just do a little bit of research, you know. We, we have our favorites. Maybe we'll put them up uh, in the notes. But I think, um, you know, make sure when it, before you do anything else, it's the very first thing that I tell everyone, write down the passphrase. Because if you, if you, you know, you forget about it. You just use this wallet and you lose your phone and then, you know, you lost access to your wallet. So write, write down your passphrase and store it somewhere that or split it into 15 different pieces and give give a bit to all your relatives or something so that you can put it back together later if you're worried about someone finding it under your mattress with the, with the rest of your cash um, <laughs> you know but you know because that's the key thing that that passphrase is your it's like a, I think of it like a PO box it's like the key that you have to go because you don't own blockchain you know you don't you, it doesn't sit on your phone it's a key that accesses and opens up what you have and right, then, you it's know, just like your post office box key. I, 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 it's it's, it's so, a bad analogy, but I think it's it's uh, you know that's that's where it is. Sense. And then you trans when you're transferring money, you're sending it sl- sort of like from PO box to PO box, you're sort of sending it. So you don't particularly you don't have the Bitcoin sitting in here. You're just accessing your one. So, but yeah, that so that passphrase. If your phone dies, you get you know you might be able to back it up and get it. But in general, if you want to restore the wallet on something else without that passphrase they're gone and there's a whole lot of I mean 50 Cent was talking about it he, you know lost I don't know whatever lost people lost cent. a lot of he money lost the other he lost 50 cents yeah yeah <laughs> 
50p in the exam. So do you, practically, you're, you're talking about literally writing that passcode on a bit of paper or what, put on a USB drive and disconnect it? And Yeah, I mean, I, I would look on the web to find a mechanism maybe that you like, like how to store your passphrases. But like, there's lots of people who will only have a physical version of it because if you put it in your password manager, and what if, you know, LastPass gets hacked every, you know, every few years and you know, there's, there's different things like essentially someone then gets access to your funds but it's no different than putting your username and password for your bank account into a password manager I don't personally I don't do that my banking password is in my head and it's a crazy one my wife cannot stand it you know but that's that and I don't put my email passwords in anything either those two things are the, the things that I go I don't really want anyone to ever get access to if they ever hack a password manager but so, however you want to store them. But all I, all I guess I'm saying is that passphrase phrase, just keep it because if you lose it, no customer service, it's gone. Yeah, you've got to have a way of getting of getting that getting that back. I, I like your idea of you know, splitting it up and and you know not scattering it to the wind, but strategic well, locations. Have we, two we, ways we, to do it: take we, a, we take a photo of one half and put it in your fa- password manager, and put yeah. the other half something you know, whatever. But just I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make it difficult. I think it's simple. But I guess what we're trying to say is just keep the passphrase. You're going to need it, and you you can get uh, you can get USB based. Hardware wallets, hardware wallets as yeah. well, right? That can that can store that information. Uh, so you don't want to lose that either, because that's no different to your phone wallet, really. So, but well, you can store you can store it in more than one location, right? That's the yes, yes. So, I mean, so you know, you you can have you can have that uh, yeah hardware wallet if you've got um, yeah a reasonable amount, or mm. you can have it written down in a in got a reasonable amount. I definitely can, recommend getting a hardware wallet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And so, yeah. and so, what what happens? Like you, you lose it. Yeah. Where does it go? It it's just inaccessible. It's, it's like your right. PO box is still locked, and all, all your mail's still in there. Right. It just fills up, and eventually, it falls well, it won't get any. Well, unless people more, more <laughs> people send them money. I'm trying to stop them sending. Yeah. Them. So don't don't send me anymore. But yeah. basically, it'll just it sits there locked because you can't access it. No right. one else has the key. But but presumably, it still adds up. It still it exists. But it's just inaccessible. Is that the idea? Yeah, it yeah. just stays at the same amount. Well, unless again someone sends you some Bitcoin, right. it stays at the same amount, and that's you know, it's like Satoshi. He's got how many billion? One twentieth of all Bitcoin or something. He's just yeah. never accessed them in theory, you know, and they're just they're just sitting there. But they're not going to go away unless someone finds a way to to hack them. Which, as we were talking about before, to get the private key, right. it's pretty, you need the sun. Pretty big problem to solve. Yeah. So this this is the so called uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Have I got his surname right? Um, the uh, the fat, the inventor of Bitcoin. What do you guys have any any views on? Is this one person? Is this multiple people? Is it you know what what, what do you think? I don't know, but I think it's 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 um, is, it a gov- to, is there a government behind this? It's, the, it's a member of the, the party. FBI. I think <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know it's what gives Bitcoin its sincerity compared to new cryptocurrencies that come through. So the thing about Bitcoin is that it's, um, you know, it, it, you know, we hope we hope he doesn't come out of nowhere and just you know start throwing big parties. But you know, he didn't create the currency for profit, where a lot of currencies that are, um, you know, uh, released today, um, they have certain pre-sales or they put aside a certain amount for the development team, which they have to because it's a competitive market, right? Um, and um, but Bitcoin it has its sincerity in that respect that it's a, a purely open source project that wasn't released for an individual to profit from. Mm. So um, it's um, it's got all its um, ethics 
in the right place in that respect. But yeah, who knows? He was a very um, he was very good at covering his tracks. That's for sure. He he never really let um, you know any clues to who he was. Um, he obviously he cracked one of the oldest computer science problems um, called the Byzantine general problem. I hope I got that right. Um, which is what the basis of Bitcoin is, is just is trusting um, your message gets over untrusted channels. Um, how, how can you how can you be sure that your message gets over untrusted channels um, in, and is is still the same on the other side? So that that's that's not a very good explanation, I know. But so yeah, he he we don't know. He could have been a group of people. He could have been an individual. Um, he obviously was motivated to create this currency because within the the genesis block of the blockchain, he actually in, um, encoded the headline from the um, Times newspaper, which was that um, the banks were being bailed out for the second time by the UK government. So he, he obviously had philosophical views on whether those banks <laughs> should be bailed out. Um, so that's quite interesting. But no, we don't know anything about him. To cut a long story short, and Sam, any anything you want to add in terms of what uh, what blockchain is and what cryptocurrency is on top of what we've discussed? Um, you know, the at the moment, cryptocurrencies are highly speculative. You know, it's this, it's a it's a new technology. There's no denying that. Um, 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 it, it, we do use it. We do use it, and a lot of people are using Bitcoin as well. So that there's you can't just say it's purely speculative. But I think that's if you look back, that's the nature of any new technology. So when a new technology um, is is growing and maturing, speculators jump in. Um, they're seeing an opportunity, and they're what drive this innovation. Is they're investing in they're investing in this um, this new technology because it it um, it has the potential to change. Um, many things that happen to us every day, you know, or, or for many people in this world. So, yeah, Bitcoin definitely has been driven by speculation, but um, all these speculators have different reasons. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a roller coaster ride at the moment, and um, I'm not quite sure where exactly it's going to go. John McPhee reckons it's going to go to a million dollars by um, 2020. Have you seen that? I said, oh, I said McAfee. The, yeah, McAfee. Yeah. 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 Well, he's, an he's a bit of a strange character. character. He's, he's a bit of a strange little. character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think you're tracking, right. though. We, we, yeah. I think, I think that while the volatility is still there, you like, because I have a, a, a very close friend who's, who's working on uh, you know, a more stable coin, which is, you know, has the dampeners and effects in order to make it less volatile so that it will be more in line with what you traditionally know as a currency because when things are so speculative and volatile, it's really, you know, you don't know what you're going to have tomorrow. And actually there is a use for truly digital and um, cryptocurrencies that that are stable, you know, so that, you know, when you buy things or houses or there's value or there's, there's collateral or there's things stored that you, you can trust that they'll be within a certain... Um, you know, pattern at, an, at another time, so you can maybe borrow from that, so you can get lending involved, and you know all sorts of things like that. And otherwise, at the moment, you're, you're at the mercy of the market. And so, I think you know, I think there will be other cryptocurrencies that will come along that will be the more stable ones. You know, maybe they're pegged to something, or maybe they're not. But, but in general, they they have collateral, you know, inputs and outputs that will will serve to to, to dampen it, so that you can you can count on it more if, in order for t- to do other sort of transactions. And that's possible to engineer that, presumably, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's that's what they're working on at the moment. Is a, a, you know, it's not trivial, 
but the 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 idea is that you know debt is released in order to to soften the system and just provide those dampeners in there and you know and there are other things that have been going on, like you know Singapore pegging you know the, to the fiat, you know, and and I, I don't, I've, I've heard rumours in New Zealand they're either talking about a Kiwi coin or a Tui or something, you know, where, where there, there'd be some sort of, um, you know, coin which is a New Zealand version of something, which you know, to be honest, it's much smarter than paper. I can't do much with paper, you know, but with with a cryptocurrency, I can program it to only get released to Paul on certain conditions. So when Paul you know, transfers X, Y, and Z to me, then the rest of the money gets released, or maybe at 50%, these things happen, and then he gets the rest later. Programmable money, that's amazing. So, so and the, and that's the concept of smart <laughs> smart contracts, isn't it? Yeah. So, Dustin, you've got some thoughts on, yeah, on smart I, contracts I have more and, questions, and yeah. what the possibilities yeah. are. Well, I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the, this I, uh, the idea of, of smart contracts and, and how that could... Um, you know, work from a you know with your with your you know an investor uh, type you know mindset. Yeah. What what are the the thoughts that that sort of triggered for you in terms of what some of the possibilities sure. are? Um, be, because I you know I think uh, certainly a lot of people are familiar that you've got blockchain, you've got Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency. Maybe they've heard of Ethereum and there are others, but. Um, Ethereum, um, you know, brings with it the, this this uh, concept of of smart contracts. I would imagine some of our listeners haven't heard about smart contracts at all. So maybe you can just I'm definitely you know. not going to have a crack at explaining what a smart contract is. But <laughs> well, Bruce sort of sort of just did, it's, it's a contract. Yeah. It's, it's basically you know. You know, like you'd have a contract between you two with you know it might be saying, "Cool, um, Paul, you know, if you, if you give him three apples, he's going to give you." And if you give them to him by next Tuesday, he's going to give you, um, you know, a deposit now of one dollar, and then at that time he's going to give you another fifty percent. And at the end of it, when you give him the full hundred percent, then the final transaction will happen. So it's if this, then it's that. just a bunch of rules. Yeah, so it's a bunch of rules that you define, and Stacked it's up. it's in code. So it's in, you know, the Ethereum the Solidity is like JavaScript like, but it's in code that you define basically what those rules are, what those trigger points are, and upon meeting those rules, you know, in various conditions, and you know, it's it's as programmable because Ethereum. There's anyone technical listening? And they're basically they're virtual machines. Like in, instead of you know bitcoins, so each each node has got a virtual machine that will execute that code and run it. So so it is very smart. And so basically, however you define the contract, like what a lawyer might do, those those things conditions it, it will enforce and execute. So so if you if you had so what what I what I was thinking about, and this is something that I'm it's more of a wondering or a speculative or kind of almost dreaming in a sense of a time when. An average person can come along, walk past a house that they know is for sale, and they can effectively buy all or some of it. And they can do that because all of the details about that house have been put somewhere digital. It's authentic. It's trusted. They, they get it. They don't need to involve their lawyer. They don't need to involve the bank. They don't need to go see someone like myself, which makes me a bit nervous. <laughs> they can simply just transact and participate with some aspect of that asset that they see. And I'm guessing a smart contract is probably what's going to be underneath underpinning all of this mm-hmm. because the details of who owns that house, is there a mortgage on it? If so, how much? What's the market value based on facts around the area? And is is there capacity for this particular person to purchase all or some of it? And what would the rules be if they purchased some of it with somebody else 
mm-hmm. whether it be their partner or whether it be a group of their flatmates that just want to team up and buy the house before they get kicked out, all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I wonder how far away that is, and I wonder you know, what, what would have to happen first. Is, is it about all of that land information digitizing first? Is it about the banks getting clever about how they assess applicants? Do they just simply need to know what their ID is, and then they know exactly how much they earn, where they live, who they are? You go for it. I think that there's there's different parts of that problem. Like to to simplify it, it's it's not really the representation of what a smart contract would give you is is no different than the things that the steps that need to happen today otherwise you're actually redefining all the systems as well you're defining how land registry works how a bank works how all of these things are so so some of the information about the property like who owns it that's just that's informational it might be in the smart contract but really it's this is just information around it what the smart smart contract will do will help um, define how the transaction can happen so, so you know, in terms of you finding out, figuring out whether it's a good house to buy, that's still going to be down to you to, to work out, you know. And there might be information in there and numbers, really, but, it, you know, most of this is the smart contracts really to enable the transaction to happen and to put conditions around it so that if those conditions are met, then, then this can happen. Now, you started talking about, well, how, what about if it was divisible amongst you and someone else or you and other people? How would that happen? You, you can obviously, you know, like I was saying earlier, you can make the, the contract as complex as you wanted, so it might you know if if you own up to twenty percent, then you get these voting rights in order to do these things, and everyone gets a slice of that, or you know d- infinitely divisible down to whatever, and, and so it almost becomes a consensus within the smart contract. If someone wants to build a driveway down there, then you sort of vote within the contract. So once you purchase it, there's an ongoing contract around the maintenance of it. So there's so I think you know it, the the key thing is a smart track contract is not some magical thing. It's it's a representation that you define. It's like a, a if if this and that. It's a bunch of rules. That if these things happen, then this is how it's going to work. And when you buy that house, you're essentially agreeing to that contract. So it may not be. You, know, you could have different ones. Like you know, you buy this house on this road, and it has this kind of contract. Just like you know, when you buy a house today, it's got these different caveats or conditions, and you you either accept them or you don't. So um, so, is it possible? Could it happen? Absolutely, I think if if you can think it, you can program it pretty much. Um, there are a lot of moving parts in there, though. Mm. You know, there's there's. I, I think if you abstract it away from, if someone wants to sell their house using a smart contract on a platform today, I don't think there would be anything stopping them because if they accept some sort of value, you know, if, if they said, "Look, a hundred thousand Bitcoin for my house," well, not too bad, um, then. <laughs> Then you get that, and if someone agrees to that, I, I, I actually don't know the answers to whether that would be valid. As far as you're concerned, you've sold it for a certain amount. It's probably you just can't really write that on the. Well, I guess if the smart contract included some sort of, you know, if this, then generate a sale and purchase contract and take it to your lawyer. It, yeah, yeah, and I, I, th- I think really that, again that's that's a really good analogy because really what we're saying is it will probably mirror real life, and whether uh, over time the other systems will change to adapt to be smarter to integrate with that new way of doing things, I, I would think so. But it's going to be the first person who decides to do yeah. that in a smart contract way. Um, and you got me thinking that there maybe you go. it'll this be is me. Idea. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, so ten percent. It's sort of uh, <laughs> you know it, it begs the question of where. Where do governments fit into this 
whole picture, right? Because there, there's way f- for uh, governments, whether they're local governments or state or, or national, mm-hmm. um, you know, governments, and you know, maybe there'll be broader, you know, international agreements and so on. But uh, you know, where, where do they sit? Where do they play? We've already seen uh, in the US, I think, uh, Coinbase sort of coming under some uh, uh, some pressure there legally to uh, be. Uh, I think it's Coinbase. Re, you know, re, re, release uh, certain information to uh, government around people's transactions, and I imagine if, if they're in there, it, it probably means some um, others. They were probably the you know the the bigger player. But um, yeah, there's all sorts of um, possibilities, I suppose, from you know governmental perspective, whether it's them facilitating these types of digital transactions, whether it's them putting. Uh, blockers in there. Any uh, any any thoughts, Sam? I mean, you you with my Bitcoin saver right now. You've got to make sure because you are yeah you're dealing with money yes. and you're dealing with uh, savings. Yeah, you've got to fit in with the anti money laundering uh, legislation Absolutely. that exists today, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, even though what you're dealing with is is you know somewhat abstract and and uh, you know not uh, traditional money. Yeah. Um, you you've still got the these rules and guidelines under which you have to operate. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, we you know as I, as I was sort of saying before um, when we were chatting casually before is you know it's our our responsibility is is really probably the first legitimate bits, Bitcoin business in New Zealand to set the highest standards we possibly can. Um, in order to ensure that um, you know the industry can blossom and and grow um, and 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 fit with the other financial services that have to um, work together to to enable these things. So um, yes, it's 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 a it's it was it's a key thing to what we do. It's a key thing to what we do, and it's a key thing that enables our our relationships with our with our bank, for example. Um. Money laundering. I mean, this. I think there's a there was a um, analysis done the other day. So there's a company called Chainalysis, and they specialise in um, analysing um, Bitcoin blockchain transactions, um, and they kind of sit behind services such as mine um, and exchanges, and they um, monitor well-known Bitcoin addresses, which are dark web addresses, or they monitor ransomware addresses, um, or they sort of track behavior of transactions after they've passed from you. So they'll track behavior of, of transactions um, sort of three deep on the blockchain. So if, if people are money laundering and sending all the, their Bitcoin to one address, they'll be able to pick it up and, and then you'll be able to identify it. But they, they came out with, uh, so they, they know in, you know, they know what's happening with Bitcoin. And they, they sort of came out with the statistic that 1% of Bitcoin or less than 1% of Bitcoin is used maybe for potential money laundering. Um, Bitcoin's no good for it. Bitcoin is really um, um, the worst <laughs> cryptocurrency. You know, it's the best cryptocurrency to um, to fit in with the systems that we've got right now. That's transparent. It's, yeah, it's transparent. So um, I, I think that it's really just a gap in understanding. Um, it's not entirely transparent in that in that you don't 
necessarily know who's doing every transaction. I mean, well, there's, fill, there's fill, money fill in, in and out of the system, right? Right. So you can see, yeah, you can see what's going in and so out, but you don't necessarily know who it's. Yeah, I don't. Who, I don't but know but Sam's I mean, the name unless this, 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 you know, the, the system we have right now is not entirely transparent. I mean, mm-hmm. it just comes under Cash. this heavy scrutiny, you know, because it's yep. new. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's what I think is a bit unfair. You know, is HSBC getting all of their um, accounts audited by the U.S. government? You know, I mean, it's, it's the spotlight's heavily on Bitcoin. Um, and do I just don't. Cash, right? you What's that? You can walk down the road, do a lot with cash and give it to someone else. And unless you're tracing every dollar bill, yeah, Bitcoin's more you know, traceable than every dollar bill. There's a lot of fear mongering. There's a lot yeah. of fear mongering. And that's just because of lack of knowledge. It's a new thing. It's, you know, we're, it's very this caveman mentality. Mm. Let's bash it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get them started. <laughs> but you know, I'm excited about the future of the technology, and and that's yeah. why I I um I kind of get frustrated by um, you know, you know these sorts of arguments. There are things to solve. I don't because I, I totally agree with Sam, and there are things to solve. And I think you started the question about how do governments and you know things play into that. And you know, I think I think you know. There's the whole cypherpunk movement where, you know, and then there's a social justice where things are getting, um, you know, around totally decentralizing stuff and anonymizing. And I think there is a place for anonymity. Just, you know, if I'm going to walk down the road and buy a baseball cap and I give the guy 20 bucks and he gives me the hat, we don't care. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. The transaction has, has no value to anyone else over and above what just happened. Um, but I think, in, I think in, in governments that aren't oppressive, like, we, you know, I would like to say that we don't really have a very oppressive government. We might have opinions. We're not, this is not a political show. We're not going to go there. But, you know, you know, there are other governments around the world that are really oppressive on their people. And, and a currency that enables people to live and do their daily life and actually um, empowers them, I think is really, really powerful. But I, I, I believe based on where you, where you live, when you live in a place, unless you live in you know, an island completely governed by a cryptocurrency, um, there's, you, you, you're subject to that jurisdiction. And, and so there are going to be laws imposed on it. And then that's why I think you know, the whole crashes over the last little while of all cryptocurrencies are really because the governments or regulators or people like that are looking at this going, and people are, you know, the fear's sort of coming in going, oh, I'm kind of going, part of me's like, well, this is also a good thing for, for the everyday person who does, doesn't, is not doing anything dodgy. And there's nothing, you know, they're just, you know, and I, I believe in civil liberties and freedoms and stuff like that. But I just think, you know, th- I think there's a place for either. And, and to be honest, like I keep saying, the horse is bolted. You can't stop them either way anyway. So you can it's not about, it's not about whether again. it's good or bad. It's just about, well, what's it going to look like? And it's, it, it, it happens today. Either way, you know, cryptocurrency isn't the source of more of the problem. It's it's it being cartels and you know the, the things have been existing forever. You know, yeah, yeah. It's just people people do stuff and they'll just gravitate towards the thing that allows them to do what they want to do. And this this is just obviously a, a much better way to do most things. You, you mentioned regulation and then uh, almost the market correcting or cryptocurrencies crashing within the same vicinity. Do you think that was do you, and then, and then you said it's kind of a good thing. So do you think that the the market sort of sort of okay? So t- do you want to go into that a bit more? Because that that that's kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it's only my view. I mean, Sam probably has a, a completely different one. But I I think I think my view on it is that um, it's when something is an asset. I mean, because Bitcoin's a store of value, right? There's no asset into it. You know, so you know, yes, there's power being spent in, in mining and stuff like that. So people have spent money in order to get it, and now you buy Bitcoin as well. Those are the basic two avenues to get in. 
but it's it's an imaginary store of value, and the only reason the value is getting driven up is because two you know two people want it. It's got demand. It's the typical demand paradox. So I think you know when when you're looking at it as a a store of value. Outside of regulation, it, it got it had all the network effects around it in order to grow. Now, governments, you know, and, and I think New Zealand governments, you know, there's, there's another white paper just came out, I think, from the Reserve Bank. Um, you, they're, they're sort of looking at it and kind of going, we, we, we're, we're trying to fit this into into this thing. Um, but it, it, it doesn't surprise me that they, they want to regulate it, especially from different angles, the anti-money laundering angle, because most of the fear and the crashes were people thinking, oh, no, South Korea is banning cryptocurrency, and they weren't. They were they were they were trying to regulate anonymous use of cryptocurrency. But there are a lot of people who want to use it anonymously. That the fear went in, and you know they, they cashed out. And I think so. I think regulation is a good thing in some senses. In the fact, well, if you don't have an oppressive government and things are really for you know ultimately for the good, and ultimately you get paid in Bitcoin and IRD automatically comes off, and you. If you live in Auckland, we were talking about this earlier. Then you pay for your gas, but the person in Wellington, um, so road taxes, but the person in Wellington doesn't. All that stuff happens automatically. That future world that's done through some form of cryptocurrency, I think it's a beautiful one. Just your, your everyday life is just managed in terms of all that, all that stuff, and it's hopefully done correctly. But I think, I think, yeah, I, I think the the fear in the market about that things are going to Bitcoin's going to crash down to one dollar. I, I don't think it's there because I think. It's whether Bitcoin will be here in 30 years. Don't know. It's been taken over by something else. And there are, cert- there are you know, certainly you know, already a, a huge selection of, of cryptocurrencies for people to pick from. Um, how relevant do each of you see you know, Bitcoin as amongst the, the uh, other crypto cryptocurrencies, sort of you know, short term and and longer term, because there, there are some issues, right? It's reasonably, uh, you know, expensive from a transactional point of view. Now, it seems like it needs some some tweaks, some improvements, uh, and there have been varying, you know, efforts at at that, you know, Bitcoin Cash and whatnot. Um, so it it seems to be the one that is most trusted for varying reasons in terms of how it was formed. It's been around the longest. There's, there's more tied up mm. in it and, and so on. Uh, but it also seems to have the most, uh, you say, technical debt or you know, technical challenges as, as associated uh, you know, with it. We, you know, I think probably most people would, that are that, uh, um, involved would... would like to see some improvements. Well, I could be jumping to conclusions there, but um, you know, I mean, you obviously, Sam, you're you're very tied up in it because you're uh, uh, it's you know, part, of, part of the name of your, <laughs> the, of your business, right? My Bitcoin Saver. So you know, unless you you flip your name, you're pretty well tied to it for uh, you know for now. Oh, uh, you know, we th- we think it's um, that in the, in the future people will have um, uh, digital asset portfolios. It will be a normal thing to have a, a digital asset portfolio, which you'll. Um, and, 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 and for those for those um, exact reasons that you know that th- these different currencies have um, different utility, and they're more suitable for certain things, and and that's what drives their market value. I am also, you know, heavily believe that Bitcoin will um, hold its position for quite a long time. Um, there's a lot of people invested in the Bitcoin ecosystem. There's a lot of innovation taking place, and um, what's really inspired me recently is the Lightning Network. So this is this is quite new. This is definitely um not even on the radar for a lot of you know quite experienced bitcoin users 
But um, yeah, I downloaded the um, one of the Lightning wallets the other day, and I've been playing with it. So what 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 is it? So the Lightning Network is a layer that sits on top of Bitcoin, and in fact, it's it's um, it's agnostic, so it can sit on top of other cryptocurrencies as well. But what it enables you to do is to make uh, microtransactions for free, pretty much. So um, there's there's some great tutorials, and you can and you can do it. And you can get test Bitcoin off the test net, which is quite fun. So uh, I got one point three test net Bitcoins um, into my Lightning wallet, and then you open up payment channels, and payment channels enable you to make um, Lightning payments. And um, there's a there's a website which is sort of a, just a proof of concept um, website which allows you to pay to read articles. Um, and so you go to you know continue reading. There's a button at the bottom of the article. Continue reading, and the cost is one cent to continue reading this article. Um, you get a payment address very similar to a Bitcoin address. You, it, you when you click it, it automatically opens the wallet um, because it's um, you know it's linked to it's an app on your computer. You press pay, bing, bing. The article appears. So there's no 10-minute confirmation time. There is, there's zero fees, and you paid one cent to actually read the article, which solves all of these problems which, um, you know, most more, you know, people who are just getting into Bitcoin are starting to, who are, or are starting to, you know, sort of understand. When they start to understand more, they start to understand about some of the limitations of Bitcoin. Um, and, um, you know, so this is working. People are using um, Lightning payments on their real Bitcoin network already. So within six months' time, it will be a more mature technology and um, people will be using it. So that completely solves that problem. And what it does even, which is, is I'm, I'm starting to think about, is open completely new economic models, um, you know, commerce models, where the web can actually be used for micropayments with, without any third parties in between. And this is very interesting. You know, this, is, this is where um, content um, uh, makers can actually literally really get paid very easily mm. um and and it's and it's um so so i'm not quite sure where that's going to go but it's it's it will yeah definitely offer offer some business opportunities in that respect yeah, yeah i'm very I, excited I, about I, it i'm so. yeah i'm really in, interested in this in the micro payments area yeah. from uh content perspective i know you know bruce has had a lot of uh uh thoughts on this track we, we've talked about it uh in the past but yeah, well, look, we're, we're producing a podcast right here. Yeah. There, there's a video. Um, yeah, I look forward to a day at some point in the you know distant uh, future, hope, hopefully not too many millennium away. Uh, you know, whereby there, there's a really easy, seamless way to be able to uh, monetize content in such a way where where you know people can people can so easily choose to. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, maybe cut out ads and those sort of components out of content, um, and and when it's something you know very very small that it could be a you know a tiny micro payment as you say a, you know one cent to listen listen to a podcast and you can you know play around people can you know tell you how much they're happy to pay well I'll pay five cents to listen to your podcast or I'll pay fifty cents or you yeah. know or it could be you know a, a, a very easy donation system and of course we have uh, platforms today like Patreon for people to uh, support 
certain types of content production, uh, but they had quite a big uh, drama recently where they were trying to work out around the fees and who should pay the fees. And instead of it being the content creator, we're going to pass that back to you know the people so that that are, that are paying for the content. If you don't have middlemen, right? Yeah, and if you 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 you, you take the 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 in between. Uh, you know, person out of the mix, uh, the entity that sits in the middle, then you get rid of that. Uh, the other day, it was buying uh, buying an airfare online, and yeah, you know, thirty dollars or sixty dollars worth of uh, worth worth of fees. Which mm. you know, who gets that? Does that you know? Does that go mm. to give me a better flight? Does you know? How does that help? No, oh no, doesn't. that that just that just that just goes off. You're going to get macaroni cheese. You know, that goes off flight. into the the ether. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah well, it's, so, it's, a, it's a really important point. You know, I think this is why peer to peer. You know, that whole infrastructure that would power any sort of transaction from customer to end user exists today. This is blockchain and, and these cryptocurrencies. So all it is is around you know buyer and seller ex- using the same cryptocurrency or, or some shape shift through the mechanisms in order to, to get that same transaction of value. And you know I, th- I think that's that sort of going to revolutionise everything. You know, and when you're talking about transaction time to to be cutting that down, yeah, I think that's really important. Things are going to have to feel pretty damn real time in order to you know get get what you need. And those evolutions are happening. I mean, I just I wholeheartedly believe, you know, and you start getting programmable money in there, like all the networks effects that are around this. It's like all those downsides because it's technological and it can be programmed and reprogrammed in order to be made it better. It's not, you know, well, yes, they print new kind pictures on paper these days for money, but you know, it's they're not making it better. You know, yes, they're making it more fraud proof, but this is this is light years beyond that. Like, what are you going to be able to do with cryptocurrency is. Well, so, so let's let's talk about um, some of the, those possibilities. I know, Darcy, you know, we've talked about some of these things in terms of some of the possibilities of of what we'll be able to do going going forward with our stuff. I mean, yeah, we, I think uh, um, maybe eBay got mentioned earlier, or PayPal, and you know, actually, eBay have have. Um, yeah, I think you know they're cutting their ties with with PayPal, mm-hmm. and you know that has its associated uh, costs with it. But I mean, immediate thought for me was that you know in the future, whether you use PayPal or like a local service we have here in New Zealand, Trade Me, or you know other types of mechanisms for transactions, and in the future, uh, yeah, with maybe a smart contract in there, uh, you know, basically, yeah, you you agree to to you know pay for some goods that maybe get sent to you from the other side of the world um, but part of that contract uh, means that, that maybe they only get the funds released once the goods arrive and maybe that you know you can programmatically actually somehow check through you know a, 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 a small payment that goes to the the courier that actually checks the goods are what they're expected to be and a quality you know in some way you know I don't know all the ins and outs of that but you can imagine that that whole process uh, gets a whole lot more seamless you take out the uh, the in-betweens and, and you know and you check things um, yeah Darcy you talked about uh, you know slice and dice, you know slicing and dicing sort of you know assets. So there's all sorts of uh, possibilities uh, there where and, you know you, you could well, you, you could yeah you, yeah you could borrow money. I think we, you know we've uh, probably uh, I don't know we have certainly talked about it in, in the past the possibilities 
around um, you know currency exchange today and how how expensive that is and how you know these mechanisms might uh, uh, might help or, or just you know negate those uh, those requirements entirely. I think I think there's a lot of really bad use use cases of people yeah. are looking at it as a panacea, saying oh blockchain yeah. will do all these things or cryptocurrency. And, yeah. You know they won't. You know again right back to the beginning. It's you know if you sometimes you just need a database. You do not need the blockchain. You know it's when you're dealing with a an endpoint to endpoint that needs that that can have untrusted parties validate that transaction and removing the middlemen, then it could be a candidate. You know, you've still got to work out. You know, are you really are you really decentralising this? Like, are all the transactions sort of allowed to be not public, but you know, like they're 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 available to be you know on other networks? Could they actually provide that trust? Otherwise, you've just got a centralised network. You know, and then there's Ripple. You know, Ripple is kind of like banks getting together. <laughs> To basically do their own version of this, and you know, and I'll, you know, I'll put my hand up. Like I don't necessarily think it's going to fail because there's a lot of money there and a lot of power. You know, like Apple, Apple's dead. They came back from the dead. Microsoft, they're dead. You know, governments. You know, there's people with a lot of power and money that is whether you like it or not are going to succeed in certain areas just because that exists. Now, I think the balance of power is going to keep shifting, and you know more egalitarian sort of value distribution but you know I think in the meantime you know as purist as you'd like to be these these things exist um, but I, but you know back to the applications I think really the, the what I'm trying to summarize there is there's a lot of really bad applications of blockchain and I've heard some really bad ones these are the sorts of things I try to talk to people it's like are you sure you want a blockchain that sounds just like a database to me that's talking to your partner so just just do one of those don't worry about this because otherwise who's, who's validating the trust you know I'll, I'll sign your check if you sign mine. You know, it's like it's not required. But I think there are other really good mechanisms, especially social peer-to-peer. Some really good. It could make peer-to-peer truly peer-to-peer. Absolutely. Rather than just some business flipping the ticket still between yeah. two independent parties. Yeah. Like that's not peer-to-peer. That's just capitalizing on the name peer-to-peer. Yeah. But blockchain could really make that authentically peer-to-peer. You talk about peer-to-peer lending. Yeah, lending. Because you should yeah. see that a lot. And, 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 and I've often, often wondered, well, is, is, it, is it right to call it peer-to-peer when in reality, groups of investors, group of borrowers, hmm. somebody in the middle still clipping the ticket on the way through? That's not actually peer-to-peer in my, in my mind. Yeah, I think the two endpoints. Yeah, you're right. I think the two endpoints are still sort of peer to peer. Whether it's a group of investors and an individual, because that would happen if it's a blockchain solution, probably anyway. But um, I, I think it's just that there's someone in the middle now. You know, the person in the middle though, they take fees for a providing a smooth service, customer service, a great UX and website. You know, all these things that don't just come out of nothing unless. I mean, and that is interesting about this movement is there are a lot of people who are developing stuff just because. There's some beautiful things coming out because people want to do it, and then there's other companies that are really doing it, you know, to ICO it, and not sometimes not for bad reasons. They just they've seen an opportunity. Market needs this. Sorry, ICO initial coin offering. I just what's um, an initial coin offering, Bruce? For those that those that uh, well, now I've heard the term before. Into it, I? Oh, <laughs> well, it, you, know, trap door. you know, people compared it to IPO. You know, when you know where you're basically going out to the public to to sell off to get you know funding. Um, but I, th- I think the ICO part of it is really, um, you know, there's been a lot of bad rap about it because people are cr- coming up with an idea, um, writing a white paper about it to say, here's how our new coin will work. It's a coin that does identity and it, it will make, and, you know, cryptographically store your security and talk to your passport and get your medical, de- you know, they write all this stuff in the white paper. Here's what our thing's going to do. And, and, you know, 
people and whether they've got the right people in the mix in order to give that gravity so that other people believe it or not. But then, you know, hence celebrities sort of j- jumping on board to try and exactly create to push extra something, attention. try to get a bit of buzz around this thing that's getting built, and then they're going to market to say, "Hey, here's our new thing. Do you want to get in? If you want to get in, we're going to do an initial coin offering, which is which is this slice of coins we're offering to the public for this price. You buy in, and then those funds, you know, you essentially you're either buying in in Bitcoin or cash or something, something which they they, they accept, and then they get all this money, and then. They either build it out or they run. <laughs> and and there's been a lot of bad rap because some people have just kind of run or there's been holes in it or they they just hadn't thought it through. But there's been a lot of really good things that are coming out. And so, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's like startup companies, right? You know, if, if you've got a really good if you've got a really good idea and you've got the right people in the mix and you can describe what you're gonna do, um, and you know, you've got a good plan, good business. I might invest. You know that's that's a that's the sort of thing. So it's just it's been a bit of a wild west out there with all sorts of things being proposed and a bunch of jargon and and people who didn't know saying yeah yeah and then they you know yeah people jumping in and you know I guess you know it's fair to say that there's uh, yeah lots of people that would have loved to have been early investors and you know Airbnb and Twitter and so on yeah. and I think there's that sort of feeling about getting involved in an initial coin offering is well maybe this one's going to you know its value is going to increase by ten times a hundred times let's get in uh, yeah. the reality is you know is often somewhat uh, yeah uh, some you know somewhat different when you know when you look at it but of you know of, of course we 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 look at uh, the cryptocurrencies uh, whether it's you know Bitcoin ethereum and you know other ones that are that have you know attracted a lot of attention and there has been demand for them and they have grown in value and of course those are the sorts of things that people look at and then you know they look at the buzz and think well maybe this one's the next one but that that's kind of fairly fairly hard i would imagine to um uh, I don't think any to, of them to, really, to really be able to you know figure figure out from the you know what gets stated up front what, what what's going to make sense for my, for the yeah you know, most people I think there's definitely an inside unit of people who have been in the scene for a while who have got a track record. I mean, that's, not, that's no different to any other business. You, if you're going to invest in a business, you go, okay, you've been the CEO of X, Y, and Z, and you know, or you've got these guys, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it's got a pretty strong chance. I think you know, the same sort of rules really apply. It's, unfortunately, it's so technical quite often that, that it's quite hard for a lot of people to absorb what might be offered. So general public might have a harder time in assessing what the opportunity might be than, than people who have sort of been in the scene a bit longer and understand a bit more about what's going on. <laughs> now, I don't know if there's any, anything else to – I mean, there's a lot we could add and we could go on for a long time. But we actually we're, – we're, we're over time now. Um, but that's me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I I am curious if we can ask this question. You know, dis- disclaimers and 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 so on. Um, you know, we we've covered up front, but whether um, anyone wants wants to talk about any particular cryptocurrencies, <laughs> that, sell your home um, buy Bitcoin. Yeah, they, they, they've they've had a yeah. bit more of an interest in than than others. Maybe stood stood out a little bit more. Any, anyone willing to put put their hand up, Bruce? Oh, oh, Sam's going to talk first on this one. <laughs> um, outside of Bitcoin, yeah. Um, 
Well, Ethereum, you know, um, is obviously a, um, uh, a, a cryptocurrency that has um, uh, different utility. Litecoin. So Litecoin is a currency which um, is really um, the little brother of Bitcoin. So the technology is, 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 is very similar, but they tend to move a bit quicker than Bitcoin um, where they have a smaller user base um, and they sort of have uh, less politics. Um, so technologically, they're they're able to uh, yeah. So they were able to there advance was, a, bit, a bit faster. They don't have some of the same baggage that 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 Bitcoin. That's uh, right. They forked does. off Bitcoin yeah. as yeah. a as a starting point. Yeah, and then there was a there was an upgrade to Bitcoin um, segregated witness last year, and they were able to implement it a lot more quickly. Um, there's a coin called Arcoin, which um, is very interesting. So that's a, a proof of stake coin. Um, and we don't want to get too technical, but that means um, it works in, a, in quite a different way. It's a lot more energy efficient um, than Bitcoin. So from an environmental perspective, um, you know, Bitcoin has some detractors in that respect. There's, there's, there's a couple of arguments there. I don't think it's quite as black and white as that. Um, Monero, I will, I will mention it. I was holding back. <laughs> but um, Monero is... Um, is very interesting from a technological perspective. You know, um, it's very interesting from a technological perspective. The it's complex, um, but at the same time, it has a certain sincerity to it as well. So it wasn't sort of um, pre-mined and released. Um, it was morphed from a um, a coin which was a scam initially. So it's got a very interesting history. There was a coin which was a scam, but the technology behind it was quite good. And then some particularly uh, gifted programmers saw this and, and took it forward and actually fixed it. So the coins were already out there when they fixed it. So um, it's, um, yeah, as I said, it's kind of, it's got its ethics in place in that respect. <laughs> but then the technology as it's evolved is very interesting and it's probably more suitable day to day for um, business um, than Bitcoin is because you can be private with your transactions. So, you know, if you're a business and you use Bitcoin day to day, um, you know, you don't really want to see your transactions, you, everyone to see your transactions um, as far as competitors, um, understanding, paying yeah, paying employees and all that sort of thing is really not ideal in that respect. Whereas um, Monero works in a way which you can be private or you can be visible. So, but by default, it's private. So your day-to-day transactions are private, which is how all our transactions are today. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, you know, how much you bought your coffee for this morning or, um, you know, what you pay for, um, on your mortgage. You know, those, those are private things which should remain like that. But you have a, a visibility key. So you can choose to make your transactions visible um, when appropriate. So if you were being audited, for example, um, you could provide the visibility key and it would show your complete transaction history um, in order for you to um, you know, verify that you've, you've, you've paid your taxes and you've spent your money as appropriate. So it's funny, it, it, is, it is a privacy currency by default, but it's actually quite suitable for the reality of day-to-day business. Mm. Um, then, um, yeah, there's, there's an, another coin... Um, I think it's a Sire coin. Is it Sire coin? I think it's S I A. I'm not even sure. I'm, sure yeah, I'm, I'm, saying. Sure I'm, I'm looking at coin market yeah. cap at the moment. Um, but then that's that's a kind of like um, green Bitcoin, which is based on a proof of stake and using um, capacity. How much storage do you've got? Spare storage to actually um, reward you. Mm. So that's that's yeah. Those anything 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 which is 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 helping you know the environmental aspect. I'm particularly interested in. Reducing energy usage, but at the same time, um, you know, not reducing um, 
the um, the utility of the coin. Mm-hmm. Now, Bruce, it's um, you know fair to say you've uh, you know, we've had one or two private uh, you know d- discussions around uh, uh, these these sorts of matters. So if we were talking one on one, and I was uh, you know asking you well, where, where else should I invest other th- other than Bitcoin? Which direction would you be prodding prodding me in? Do you want to turn off the microphone? Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, look, yeah, I, 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 I agree with Sam. I think those are really good currencies. I think um, the I, I like EOS. I like NEM for certain aspects. Um, I I think you know there's a there's a few that have been hanging around that I think are going to be probably surviving, but I'm, I'm sort of unsure about them. But I think yeah, in general, Monero. As well, I think just just because I think the application of that's really interesting, even though you know it's it's got those that privacy part. I mean, Zcash was doing pretty well. You know, that was trying to be yeah. Zcash, similar sort of thing, trying to you know, zero sum game where they you know basically every transaction's essentially zero zero proof, so you don't know what's in it. You know, and I, I think that that idea is actually really quite an interesting one. It's just you know it sort of gravitates towards a certain certain need yeah but, yeah no I, I think I personally I, I think Bitcoin will will be um, it's the biggest brand it will stick around for a while and it's the gateway drug to be you, you, people buy Bitcoin and then they distribute it to other stuff sorry that's probably completely the wrong phrase <laughs> drug but, yeah but it is, it is a little bit you know and and you know it's, it's, got, certain, it's certainly the, 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 the highest it's, market it's a, cap yeah. and you know it's an easy way to get started isn't it um, buy Bitcoin safe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I, th- I think yeah to, to be honest I, yeah, it's it'd be like anything where it'd be like if you had shares or anything. You just you've got to watch, you know. You've just got to you've got to be mindful. There's some sort of thing where you know, you know like there's certain ones that I'm never going to touch. I've just they're just in pots. I'm just going to leave it. And if it disappears one day, it disappears. You know, I, I think it's still in the phase of spend what you can afford to lose. Um, I, I I wouldn't be saying to people uh, you know sell your house and and buy it. Um, you know, and if you did, you might win. And if you did, you might incredibly lose. So it is a little bit like, you know, like that. I think, but mm-hmm. I think in terms of diversification, having some money in crypto is not a silly thing. Now, one one thing I will say um, is that, uh, which is a really positive thing, is that um, it has really um, allowed a, a, a lot of younger people to think seriously about sort of um, financial investment and how it's a good thing to do. And I wish I'd known about it a lot earlier you know i'm kind of like everybody else and that went to university and spent most of it on beer and then came out the other side of the whacking great loan jesus what did i do that for um so um you know you know thinking sensibly about finances and and actually you know learning to save and invest um and that's what cryptocurrencies has you know brought to light for a lot of people younger people who wouldn't have thought about it for a long time you know so um it's something that people learn to do in their 40s which is usually too late you know you're playing catch up by then you know and that's 25 years to go but yeah it's just not enough really no no and you're like then a financial advisor comes along and goes yeah well what i'm i'm going to teach you how to do it now and like wow i wish i wish i told me that that's pretty engaging like when you look at when you look at what it is it's you're setting you're setting aside a little bit of your money for something else you're, yeah. you're saving you're investing but it's it's multi-dimensional you're engaging with technology as well as yeah. exercising financial discipline and i think that's that must be quite attractive for 
the younger generation. Surely, right? Like that yeah. must be a little bit because back when we were young, it was what a piggy bank. You know, yeah. if you're lucky, or and eventually when online banking was actually actually a really th- a decent thing, you could actually do it that way. And some banks are better at doing it than others, but now you can actually dollar cost average into into Bitcoin. That's pretty phenomenal. Like that's not just saving; that's saving, and you're actually you're participating with a new technology that could fundamentally change the world. Yeah, knows right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Anything else you wanted to add into the into um, the mix, uh, Darcy? Any, yeah. any well, uh, recommendations from the? Uh, oh right, right. Uh, any official recommendations about, um, apart from sell the house and the Bitcoin? <laughs> uh, because there's an aspect of this where, yeah, certain people should. I mean, I think yeah, whenever you're dealing with money, yeah, caution is a is is appropriate, right? Yeah. And it's important to be strategic, to take a longer a longer term view. Um, you know, there, there some of us that might uh, uh, might struggle with the way the ups and downs in value, and you know, if if you're uh, you know prone to getting uh, stuck with with you know gambling type issues, then mm. uh, um, yeah, the, those right. those things could uh, yeah. could tempt you to. Uh, um, yeah. uh, I don't know, but it's like, into, into maybe some bad, bad habits, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, might, there might also be uh, there, there's certainly plenty of positive, uh, you know, positive outcomes yeah, yeah. of uh, uh, of you know getting in there and um, and investing, but I guess some people would would challenge whether getting involved in cryptocurrencies at all has got anything to do with investing. Um, and that that's 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 a whole. It's, it's another, real money in and that, real money out. That you know that's that's uh, um, that's probably another another discussion for another. Uh, but if you if you think about what, where, where most people where most people traditionally come from, most people 30, 30 years old plus they they've been given a certain paradigm by their parents usually, and it's it is to a certain degree it's not it's not um, useful for the world that we currently live in. And it's it's very old school. When you think about what we've probably subtly been taught by our parents, it's work hard. If you get into debt, then pay off the debt, then save for your retirement, then die. That seems to be the financial advice mo- advice model that we we inherit. Um, and the most morbid. And the most morbid indeed. <laughs> indeed. My yeah, my my kind of slant with my clients, partly because I'm a debt peddler. You know, like I'm the, I'm the crack dealer of mortgage brokers. I love it when people get in debt. And when I hear people that aren't in debt, <laughs> freaks me out, makes me uncomfortable, kind of angry. Um, I don't know if whether I'm jealous or I'm just not making money out of you. That's why I'm angry. But if if you if you look at the 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 way that a lot of people have built wealth, especially in New Zealand, especially in Auckland. It is through property. They've done well, but it's because they've somewhere along the line they've embraced debt, and it is a different paradigm. It flies in the face of what their parents may have taught them, or definitely their grandparents. I kind of view this whole crypto thing as it's like the next level. It, it is. It is going to fly in the face of traditional financial advice. There's no doubt about it. But I think if anybody wants to engage with it, it's just remembering the basics. You know, who, who are you? Are you are you a risk taker? And if you're not a risk taker, should you be doing something which has all the harm hallmarks of something that is risky? Probably not, because you're, you're doing something that's incongruent with who you are. Or should you, if you engage with it, should you learn? Should you learn as much as you possibly can? And I think the answer is, yeah, you, you, need, to get, you need to get some awareness. That's what I've, I've been reflecting on lately is that I can't discount this anymore. I've got to actually embrace it to, to a certain extent because there's just 
too much reality here. Mm-hmm. I, I need to actually understand what's going on. And I think that to a large extent, if anybody wants to engage with investments, whatever that means for them, they, they need to be thinking along these lines as well. Um, but they also need to know the risk profile, be financially yeah. disciplined. So you're not recommending uh, people put uh, put everything that they've got into, uh, into crypto, cryptocurrencies? Um, no, no. Um, as, as tempting as it would be, you know, it would be great just to go to the casino and put it all on red as well, right? <laughs> and it would be a little bit more instant. I mean, I, I was talking to, you know, because there, there are people like in the Blockchain Association, people just in the scene, who, you know, I'm thinking, why is there no share brokers offering an extreme high risk portion part of the profile? You have to sign every waiver and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you, you, it's just like your portfolios. You do risk balance, to, you know. And, but but this, 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 there's an opportunity there. The thing is, then they've got to have people who know the, the, the scene enough to, to take care of it. Um, and who knows what's coming, you know. And, you know, I, I, I felt I had enough information over Christmas to know that the crash was going to happen. So, you know, I made some changes. It would be people who, who are aware of these things coming, you know. Um, but, you know, I still think there's an opportunity there. But I think it's about diversification. And at the moment, yes, I'm fully putting my hand up saying, yeah, it's, you know, it's a bit of a wild west at times. But I think there are some that are holding their game. And I think the, the, the like, Bitcoin is and Ethereum. You know, those, they're, yes, they crash, but they're still up on, on a year ago. Mm. And, you know, I think for for our audience, the New Zealand Tech Podcast audience, uh, yeah, they tend to be people that are interested in, What's happening? Uh, you know the threads of technology and, and where those are running mm. uh, tend to be people that are interested in, in keeping up with the play on that. And um, yeah, this this is part of the future. Mm. And the way to get to understand it one well one way to get to understand it um, is you know is to get involved, even if Dip it's in a very small way. Dabble. And you know, and I, and I guess that that's um, what's you know attracted me to. My Bitcoin saver uh, is that ability that you can put in twenty dollars a week for you know two weeks in a row if you like and stop, um, and you know you you have uh, a little bit in there and you can uh, then yeah, you, you can know see what happens see with it. You can you can convert yeah. uh, you know from one cryptocurrency to another and and so on and and start getting a little bit of an understanding of the of the picture and it's much easier uh, to do that hands on. Than it, than it is by you know reading blog posts and you know listen to uh, Darcy, Paul, Sam and, and and Bruce talk about it. So uh, mm-hmm. you know there, there's something to be said for uh, for getting your hand, hands dirty. Uh, you know even if you're not committing your life savings to it, which um, yeah, we're probably <laughs> good learning happens when you lose money. <laughs> that, well, it really does. It really does. That's yeah. that's very true. All right. Well. Um, Thanks, guys. This, this has been this has been fun. Uh, I think we're probably going to have to uh, dive in a little bit more in, in the future. Uh, but this has been uh, it's been good to to sit down. We're way over uh, way over time. So um, you know, hope anyone who's uh, who's listening that didn't have well, if you've got to this point, you've somehow listened. So whether you uh, whether you speed up when you listen to us or uh, uh, what have you, I hope you found it engaging. Um, we'd love to hear any any comments. So feel free to uh, to get in touch. Uh, NZ Tech Podcast on uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can certainly uh, email me uh, directly through my uh, site paulspain.com. Um, you guys want to share how to get get in touch? Sure. 
What's the best way to get in touch with you, Darcy? Darcy at ungaro.co.nz or just Google me. I'm that guy. (laughs) Yep, Sam at mybitcoinsaver.com and, you know, we're on Facebook and and Twitter as well. So, yeah, just ping us there. Just go to the Block Foundry, just not the blockfoundry.co.nz and there's a contact form on there. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. Um, We will try and... uh, you know, take a few of the little bits and pieces and add those into the uh, uh, the show notes at nztechpodcast.com uh, uh, and we'll be back with a, a, a more uh, normal episode next week focused on uh, you know, typical sort of tech news and, and opinions but we, I think we will be back to talk about this uh, more. This is not the end. <laughs> thanks for having us, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.